Welcome to Fine Tuning with Drew Taylor, your one-stop shop when it comes to animation, news, and commentary. I'm Drew's co-host, entertainment writer Jim Hill, and he and I are recording the show on Friday, May 20th, 2022. Huge amount of animation-related news broke this week. We learned about our brand new Pixar film, which is arriving in theaters in June of next year. Likewise, the two more animated series and a film just got shut down in mid-production over at Netflix. And then, of course, there is Chippendale's Rescue Rangers, which bowed today on that streaming service. Happy National Streaming Day to you, Jim. Really? Oh, yes, yes, man. that's what uh, today is, yeah. I didn't get a cake. Oh, man. <laughs> Would you consider Rescue Rangers a must-see if you're an animation fan? Or Oh, absolutely. I saw it a few weeks ago, and mm -hmm. I need to go back and watch it now that it's on Disney+, Plus mm -hmm. with the Roku remote, ready to, to freeze frame on things. This is a film, two, possibly three viewings, is a must. First time, watch it for the story, and then the second time... Stop at the freeze frame. And then the third time is like, did I miss somebody? Hang on. Keep going. Anyway, Drew and I will talk at length about this Akiva Schaefer film on the second half of today's show. But first, the news. And as always, news portion of today's show is brought to you by Storybook Destination, trusted travel partner of the Jim Hill Media Podcast Network. For a worry-free travel experience, please book online at storybookdestinations.com. I guess we should start with the Baymax trailer that dropped oh, just yeah. today. This is the trailer for the new six-episode series from Walt Disney Animation Studios, which will debut on Disney Plus on June 29th. Rather than Big Hero 6, the series, which was from Disney Television Animation and ended its three-season run on the Disney Channel in February of last year. So what did you think of the trailer? I thought it was great. I mean, I, I still wanted to learn more about the series. Like, I think the episodes will only... I think they'll be shorts, not an, not 20 minute. I get that. I get yeah. that. Um, but the beautiful animation all done in-house at Walt Disney Animation Studios. I think Dean Wellens was responsible for some of these episodes. Really? Yeah. So I'm, re I'm really excited to see. What, I mean, I think it's it looks beautiful and mm -hmm. I can't wait to go back to San Francisco. And remember how crazy detail. I mean, when, when uh, the original Big Hero 6 film came out, that lovely mix of San Francisco and Tokyo and the crazy cityscape. And at least from what they show in this trailer, it looks like he could sit right alongside that. By the way, remember, this is an Academy Award winner that took home that year's Best Animated Feature. And it's on Tess and the cat and the cafe. And it's like, oh, I want to see this. But anyway, Bowser on Disney Plus tail end of next month. And by the way, if you're looking for additional information about the show, remember, it's Baymax exclamation point that'll send it over the top with it when it comes to seo yeah okay i don't get that but okay <laughs> all right speaking of films that were released to theaters it's been seven months since ron's gone wrong was screened at your local multiplex did you ever see it jim i did i actually oh, okay. went let's let's hear it it was a charming film but again i was sitting in a theater on the friday night that it opened and there were eight of us in the theater so looking at that it's easy to understand how you know, it only made $23 million domestically, another 37 overseas for worldwide box office total of $60 million. Ron's Gone Wrong had its fans. If you go over to Rotten Tomatoes, freshest rating of 80%, audience score of 94. And just to put that in perspective, Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Bandits, which has earned $723 million in the worldwide box office to date, had a freshest rating of just 74 
and an audience score of just 86. So there were people who liked this movie. Uh, the folks who made Ron's Gone Wrong, uh, Locksmith Animation, London-based CG studio, they've just signed DNEG Animation to handle the digital production of their next movie, Next Christmas, which is supposed to be based on a successful series of children's books that were written by Richard Curtis, the talented filmmaker behind Four Weddings and a Funeral and Love Actually. But the other thing I think a lot of people in animation are excited about is that Christmas is going to mark the feature film directorial debut of renowned character animation and story artist Simon Otto, who is probably best known for his work on the How to Train Your Dragon trilogy. Downside is, at this point, we don't know when or how that Christmas is going to be making its entrance into the ever-changing entertainment space we know today, whether it's a theatrical release or going to be on some streaming service. Well, did you see that Netflix just poured, like, I think $350 million into DNEG as kind of a partnership? That's a good sign, and yeah. that suggests that maybe we know where this is going to come out. On the yeah, other I hand, think it could, yeah. this week we learned of three more animated projects being shut down at Netflix. We got Wings of Fire that was being executive produced by Ivana DuVernay. We got Anti-Racist Baby, a, a show that was aimed at preschoolers. And likewise, with kind regards from kindergarten, a film that was aimed at, at youngsters that had to deal with two kids who basically drifted apart, who had been friend, childhood friends, but one kid lost his imagination and that broke their tie. We got word as these three projects were being shut down, some 70 animation-related positions were limited at Netflix. Likewise, additional 80 staffers who I'm told mostly worked in marketing and promotion will let go. So that's 150 people in addition to the other folks who were let go from the other animated projects. Yeah, I'm hearing some interesting things about about these. If you think that I haven't, I have given up on figuring out what's going on over there, Jim, I have not. So oh, hopefully okay. I can I can share some of that stuff soon, but. That would be great. I mean, yeah. I, I really appreciate you've been on the case there, but you got to feel for the folks who lost their jobs at streaming service over the past month or so. Speaking of which, though, you also have to feel for the family of Tom Gonzalez, who worked in the editorial department of Pixar for the past 18 years. Sadly, Mr. Gonzalez lost his long battle with cancer earlier this week, leaving behind his lovely wife, Becky, and their seven-year-old daughter, Emma, and their four-year-old son, Leo. This is not news to the folks up at Emeryville, but Tom was beloved at Pixar. So much so that the folks there felt they needed to do something. So they set up a GoFundMe to help out Becky and the kids. Start out with a goal of raising $50,000 for the Gonzalez family. They basically blew by that in a day. So they put up a revised fundraising goal of 75000 And to date, I think it's only been running for four days or so at this point. They've raised $66,000 and 358 don donations to date. And uh, folks, if you're in a position to help out, I know the Gonzalez family would appreciate it. But again, this sad news comes at what should be a happy time for Pixar. We just learned early this week what the 27th film from this animation studio will be. And it's Elemental, a new fantasy adventure comedy that will be directed by Peter Song. Drew, you and I love Peter. We do. I was trying to actually think he did the voice of Emil in Ratatouille. Uh, I'm trying to remember the name of the frat brother character. Squishy. Squishy, there we go, from uh, Monsters University. Also, the inspiration behind 
the little kid in Up. Russell, that's yes. right. That's right. And when you think about his wonderful shirt, partly cloudy, or the yeoman's job he did on A Good Dinosaur, I mean, stepping in to direct that after that film had basically crashed and burned. I'm one of a handful of people who actually really likes Good Dinosaur. I mean, I know it's got its flaws, but it also has some amazing stuff in it. So do you want to talk about Elemental and, and what Pixar's put out about this? Or Yeah, I mean, they put out a piece of art, which I saw someone say was probably Tony Fusili's drawing. Um, it certainly looks like his. Do you have mm-hmm. any thoughts on that, Jim? It's that wonderful thing that Pixar is able to do. Like I, looking at this, I, I felt it's it's kind of akin to what they did with Inside Out, making the abstract familiar. Yes, there were some people online who were making some very mean spirited jokes about the concept of elements existing in a sort of modern city with personalities, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. saying that you know if the Onion came up with a kind of Pixar. <laughs> synopsis it would probably be like this but i don't know if you saw that you know pete said that it was such a personal thing should i read this quote please 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 so he says my parents immigrated from korea in the early 1970s and built a bustling grocery store in the bronx we were among many families who ventured to a new land with hopes and dreams all of us mixing into one big salad bowl of cultures languages and beautiful little neighborhoods that's what led me to elemental So, you know, you've got a a female character named Ember, who is is fire, and Mm -hmm. Wade is the other character who Mm -hmm. is made of water and is very Mm -hmm. easygoing. Mm -hmm. So it sounds like a Pixar movie. It sounds like, you know, another, like, crazy buddy Mm -hmm. comedy with, you know, I'm sure there'll be adventure, and I'm sure it'll Mm -hmm. be visually stunning. I'm very interested to see what the characters look like. Because if these are supposed to be elements that are always alive and mm-hmm. also talking, I think that's really interesting. No, I agree. I agree. And, and in fact, if you remember when we went up there for the early press on Inside Out, and they talked about how just the stuff they did to make joy and sadness and anger and the bunch looked just that little bit different than what right. they'd done previously. So again, going to be fascinating to see what they do with Ember and Wade. And, you know, I'm very, very much looking forward to Elemental. And Jim, you're forgetting, you know, Pete's got a big a big role this summer in a little film called Lightyear. Oh, as that's the, right. As that, the cat. That, okay, okay. And in fact, I have to tell you, Nancy walked by. Nancy now cannot walk by without touching Socks the cat. So, Socks, what do you have to say to us now? What are you doing, Buzz? I have no idea what that is. He said, what are you doing, Buzz? I think he's (laughs) questioning Buzz's decision-making. There we go. Okay. So, all right. Well, speaking of other things I'm looking forward to, we get a brand new bunch of episodes of The Ghost and Molly McGee, uh, DBO on Disney Channel, June 11th, which hopefully will take away some of the sting of Amphibia ending its three-season run this past weekend. Did you get to see the finale? Or I haven't watched it yet, Jim, because I've cut the cord. Remember, I was supposed to, I was supposed to get your Disney Channel login <laughs> so that I can watch it. Otherwise, no, I will no, just wait no, until no, Disney no, Plus no. when they... They kind of like group them, you know, they'll put like five on every mm-hmm. few weeks so I can, I can wait, but I hear it was amazing. Yeah, they did a nice job. I'm not necessarily a fan of this show being shut down. And certainly, I, I don't know if you saw the joke they just did on Owl House. 
there were characters. It's like, I wish we had time for 20 more adventures, but we don't. <laughs> you know, it was just oh, sort of like. Oh, my Lord. So it was like, oh, that's a, that's an interesting little sharp bit of writing there. <laughs> But getting back to Molly McGee for a moment, I know on this show, folks, we tell you a lot that you should be following Drew on social media, but there are other folks that you really need to be paying attention, or among them are Bill Motts and Bob Roth, the creators and executive producers of that Disney branded television production. See, I finally said it right, Drew. You did it. There we go. But if you've been following Bob and, and uh, Bill and Bob on, on social media earlier this week, you'd have seen the first page of the pitch that they made to Nickelodeon for a show called The Curse of Piper McGee. Wasn't that like 12 years ago or something? Well, that's the other thing. It was so long ago. And it's also worth noting that this happens all the time. If you, you talked with the two incredibly talented gentlemen behind Phineas and Ferb, how many different studios did they walk that show around to before finally somebody bid at Disney? Right. A couple of interesting differences between the pitch that was made in Nickelodeon and the pitch that was eventually made at Disney. Piper McGee isn't cursed by a ghost who haunts the house that her family's moving into, but rather Piper's family was vacationing in Transylvania. And while the McGee family is touring an ancient castle, Piper accidentally disturbs the final resting place of the Count. Yes, that Count, who then curses her. But did you did you read the story about when they pitched it to Nickelodeon? No, I don't think I knew that part. This is great. Okay, so they, they set up the appointment weeks in advance. And as they show up at the building, there's kind of a, you know, definitely there's been this mass layoff that day. And as they go up to the guy's office, the executive they're supposed to meet with is literally packing his office because he's just been fired. But that's it. As he's packing up the office, you know, well, they say, well, we're sorry. And and do you think, oh, to leave us at, you're not going to pitch a show? And it's like, but you're fired. It's like, yeah, I got a job at another animation studio already lined up. Tell it to me. Maybe we'll do it there. And so they pitched the show to him. And, and at the end of the pitch, he's like, yeah, that wouldn't work for Nickelodeon or the place I'm going to. But thanks for your time. But again, Bill and Bob keep plugging away. They change the count to scratch the ghost. And as for Piper McGee versus Molly McGee, Evidently, when they finally got the show in development at Disney, there was an ex- executive there who said, oh, by the way, we already have a, we have a show that's already in development that is a lead character called Piper, so you need to change the name. So that's how Piper became Molly McGee. Do we know the show that has a character named Piper? I don't even think it made it through the development process. But, but yeah, that's an interesting question. We'll have to chase that down. But like I said, you, you find some very interesting things when you, you follow, follow the right people's social media account. Like the folks over at Sony Pictures Animation, uh, we just learned that Young Love, the animated series, uh, it's going to be on HBO Max that is based on Hair Love. That short that took home the Oscar in February of 2020 for Best Animated Short Film. And also Agent King, uh, a new animated series for Netflix, which has Elvis trading in his jumpsuit for a jetpack as he joins a super secret arm of the U.S. government to fight crime. At least we know why he's in that He's in that uh, mural at the Sony Pictures. Oh my God, now the question. Oh, wow. Yes. Oh, I love it. Call back to like four shows from now. Oh, yeah, there you go. Now I can sleep (laughs) at night, Drew. Thank you. All right. 
Anyway, both of these Sony Pictures animation productions are going to premiere next month in Annexy. 2022 edition of the Annexy International Animated Film Festival is going to run from June 13th through the 18th of this year. Worth noting that Agent King, supposed to start running on Netflix sometime this summer, isn't the only press-related project waiting in the wings of Baz Luhrmann's Elvis, which will feature Tom Hanks as Colonel Tom Parker, uh, arrives in theaters on June 24th, one week after Lightyear. Have you managed to see Elvis yet? The, the Baz Luhrmann thing? Or? I have not seen Elvis yet. It premieres on Tuesday at Cannes, so I imagine oh. we will be hearing much about it around the time this episode drops, actually. Okay, because so. from what I've seen of Tom Hanks' performance in the trailers, Colonel Tom Parker, you know how people were talking about Oscar Knight's work in Moon Knight. I, I, I put Tom Hanks's Colonel Tom Parker in, in kind of the same box. It's like, I don't know if it works in the trailer, but it was great on, on the actual show. So I really want that to work. By the way, did you watch uh, Happy Days at All growing up? Of course. Of course. Do you remember the episode from the 10th season of the show? It was called The Little Case of Revenge, where Tom Hanks shows up as a character who Fonzie pushed off the swing when they were both in third grade and he's nursed a grudge for all of this time and, and went off and became a black belt in karate and then <laughs> now come to, to Arnold's drive-in to beat up a Fonzie. Uh, you see no, this? No, I don't remember that. But I mean, if it was the 10th season, I feel like Henry Winkler was probably 45 at the time. So. You're not wrong. I mean, you know, just it's worth noting here that, that Ron Howard actually left the show at the end of, I want to say that the seventh season, eighth okay. season, in May of 1980. And the only reason Tom Hanks was available to do this guest shot is his own show on ABC, Bosom Buddies, uh, had ended a two season run uh, just a couple of months earlier, in March of 82. So it was like, I'm available. <laughs> You need somebody to do a guest shot. And, but the interesting thing is it was just a few months later that Howard cast Hanks to be the lead in Splash. And that's the film that effectively cements both of their careers. I mean, Howard is a film director and, and Tom is a movie star. Long way to get to this story, but Ron made Splash for Disney, which for years was the only place that was really consistently putting out feature-length animated films. And did you see where Ron is doing his very first animated feature? Yeah, I can't wait. I mean, he's he's very anxious. I feel like he's he's doing documentaries now. He's doing features still. It's he's he's trying to cram it all in, Jim. He's seeing the the light at the end of the tunnel or something. I guess. But yeah, well, forgive me for, for quoting my my favorite line from from Chippendale Rescue Rangers. But Sweet Pete is a yeah, death comes for us all. <laughs> Anyway, uh, back to The Shrinking of Treehorn. So this is going to air on Netflix. It's based on a 1971 children's book, which was illustrated by Eric Edward Gorey. Uh, it's about a young boy who slowly shrinks over time. The animation for this is going to be done by uh, Australian visual effects animation studio Animal Logic. They're the folks who did both Happy Feet and the Lego movie. They're supposed to maintain Gorey's um, illustrations, too. Wow. Like, they're going to... They're going to look like the drawings. So that's pretty exciting. That's a lot of line work. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Jeez. I mean, you know, I mean, yeah. anybody who knows Edward Gorey's style. 
that's a lot to promise up front. Maybe that's why League of Super Pets looks so crummy because they're just <laughs> working so hard on getting the Edward Gorey line work right. <laughs> oh, God. I love you get, get that low blow in there while we're praising, you know, the fact they're going after uh, Edward Gorey. But I should note here that this film keys off of a 2017 deal that Imagine, that's a production company that Ron Howard runs with Brian Glazier, signed with Warner Brothers. It's a six-picture deal to develop, finance, and produce uh, six animated live-action films, uh, again, in partnership with Animal Logic. Speaking of Warner Bros., when we get back, I want to talk about that crazy new combat game that features all manner of Warner Brothers' Discovery IP. And, of course, uh, Drew will tell us all about uh, Chippendale's Rescue Rangers. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Have you seen the ad yet for the multiverses? I have heard about this, but mm. I don't think... Has there been a new trailer? Is that what has come out? No, uh, as far as I know, there is only the one, but it's one of these things where it's like you have Arya Stark from Game of Thrones done in kind of a, what is it? The, do you remember? It's the Disney game with the the little thing. Oh, Disney Infinity? Disney Infinity, done in the Disney Infinity style. But she teams up with Bugs Bunny, who in turn battles a Batman who, is, for some reason, is teamed up with Shaggy from Scooby-Doo. It should not work, but honestly, Drew, it, it's worth it for the moment where Superman arrives on the scene and he's thinking, I don't know what's going on here, but this looks like a job for, and at that moment, the Iron Giant flies into the scene and completes this and Superman. And, you know, and so Superman turns him, okay, you're with me. And they enter the battle. It, it's one of these things where at that moment, I was literally, I don't even game, Drew. I Seriously, I, I topped out at Pong. But from that moment, I became Philip J. Fry. And it's like, shut up, take my money. It's really weird how Iron Giant has become this, like, character that's in Ready Player One and Space Jam and now this, like, it's pretty it's pretty weird. It's pretty weird. I almost made the point earlier in the show about Ron's gone wrong and you look at only made 60 million dollars worldwide. But on the other hand, you know, you look at what Iron Giant did kind of when it first arrived in theaters and and as you just mentioned, how now Iron Giant is like this go-to character and that everybody mm-hmm. loves. So Let's just take a look at Ron's Gone Wrong in 20 years and see what happens. But anyway, Multiverses is a upcoming free-to-play crossover fighting game, much in the style of Super Smash Brothers. And it's being developed by Player First Games and will be published by Warner Brothers Interactive Entertainment. Now, what's kind of interesting is the open-to-play beta test for this game arrives in July. 
Have you seen what Disney is doing with its Dreamlight Valley project? No, what is that? I saw there was a, there's they have a racing game out this summer that kind of mixes characters. There's that. There's definitely that. But Dreamlight Valley, there's no polite way to say this. Dreamlight Valley is if Animal Crossing Sims and Disney had a baby. It's okay. not supposed to hit the market. Till 2023, but people who purchase early access to this thing can be among the first to explore Dreamlight Valley this summer. And the idea is that you create your own personal avatar and then explore the dream world of, of Dreamlight Valley. I, and it borrows a page from Epic Mickey. You, you enter this village that's kind of in a dreary state. It's covered with night thorns. And the beloved Disney characters have, have forgotten who they are due to an event called the forgetting. But you're there to, to make them remember who they are. And so, for example, you cook with Remy or you go fishing with Goofy or you help Wally grow vegetables in his garden. That sounds cute. My daughter, Alice, and her mom loved Animal Crossing. It's just one of those games you can play that, that it sort of calms you down and takes your mind off of the real world as you, know, you plant fake vegetables that you then have to harvest. I bring this up today because, again, it's Pixar characters and Disney characters interacting, which sounds cool. But on the other hand, compared to what we both just saw with Chippendale's Rescue Rangers. Can you tell the story about what happened at the premiere? Because again, there's no logical explanation for how all of these characters got into this Akiva Schaefer film. So I didn't get to go to the premiere. Um, mm. I think I was doing something else that night. But at the premiere of Chippendale's Rescue Rangers uh, earlier this week, Apparently, Akiva got up on stage before the movie started and thanked by name every single one of the Disney lawyers who <laughs> made this movie happen, which I think is so great because mm -hmm. it really would not have happened. He did not have Steven Spielberg around like no! in the Roger Rabbit days to, to grease the wheels, you know? Mm -hmm. When you look at who's in this film, whether it's the My Little Pony characters or He-Man and Skeletor, it's not like they have huge roles. There's just a lovely kind of flyby quality to so many of the cameos. Did you see that Ugly Sonic was trending on Twitter today? I... <laughs> Just that they got permission to do that. I mean, I would have killed to have been in the room to go to the team as they were making Sonic 2 and who had survived everything that had gone on with the original Sonic and how that had blown up. And here it's like the very thing that those folks want to forget about. Disney wants to make a huge part of this movie. It's so good. And he, and it's voiced by Tim Robinson from I Think You Should Leave, which makes it even better. <sighs> I mean, he does a great job with that vocal mm -hmm. performance. It's just so good. Well, you actually got to talk to the writers of the film, right? Uh, Dan Gregor and, I did. and Doug Mann? Yeah, I haven't posted that yet, but um, yeah, they have some really interesting things to say. Um, maybe we can talk next week about some of the the okay. ideas that didn't make it didn't make the final cut, let's say. They're working with a budget that uh, Kiva actually said was basically an eighth of what a Pixar or a Disney feature length animated film cost. They got the whole thing shot in what, 30, 35 days up in Vancouver? 
and it makes it CG. It uh, the the now that's faux claymation, right? That's done for Lieutenant Putty, right? Yes, but it was it was pretty convincing. I thought no, absolutely, and it just I loved that they went across the board with the animation styles. But yeah, I mean, it just the fact that I think my only concern about Rescue Rangers was, you know, it's so smart. But it's also, it's so specific. I don't feel like this is a movie for kids. This is a movie for adults who grew up watching the, the Disney afternoon and probably saw Roger Rabbit in that same window of time. So a movie like this with, with its Venn diagram. But at the same time, so many of the animation jokes, in fact, for literally the better part months now you've been talking about there's one specific seth rogan joke in this movie that he's he doesn't voice his one character you know and yes. and <laughs> one shot at the fan con we don't want to spoil this it's only been out for a couple of days right you know let, right let's... i mean you should watch it i will say that at one point there were more seth rogan characters involved in that scene so really yeah well, Okay, a week or so down the line after everybody's seen it and after your piece with the writers is dropped on the wrap, maybe we can revisit this. But can you talk a little bit about your conversation with the director? I mean, getting this sort of film in the can in just 30, 35 days, that's crazy. Yeah. Well, you said it was to kind of like making two movies on top of each other because they Mm. shot for 30 or 35 days and then they made basically an entire animated feature on top mm-hmm. of that. So mm-hmm. I cannot imagine, you know, he said it was like, he was like, it, it was like making a Godzilla movie or something, mm-hmm. but like much smaller scale, obviously, mm-hmm. you know, and we talked about, they wanted to use 2d actual mm-hmm. 2d, but they just couldn't do it. And it's just really interesting. You know, it's, it seemed like a really tough movie to make, but I think it turned out really well and oh, yeah. I hope people watch it this weekend and yeah. beyond, obviously. Mm-hmm. I want more. I want a sequel. I'd love to see these guys make another run at it. I mean, we could do an entire episode. Maybe we can do it next week after people have watched it, but of oh. just all our favorite cameos and, you know, everything else. Paula Abdul and MC Scat Cat from Opposites Attract. Just that conversation, you know, call Paula Abdul and we need you on set for a day. Just to do this. Right. Well, what was interesting is they went looking for who owns MC Scat Cat, and it was mm-hmm. Paula Abdul. And they already wanted her in the movie, so she was like, sure, put him in. So Really? That, oh, my that God. That ended up being easier. Yeah. Okay. And also, to go to Disney, and especially with David Lowry's Peter and Wendy film, just coming over the horizon. So, obviously, Peter Pan is a very big IP for the Walt Disney Company, but the notion of we, we want... Peter Pan as the villain. Not only that, a a heavy, older Peter with five o'clock shadow. Yes. How do you go to Disney legal and please give us this character? You know, and we're not doing any lasting damage. We promise. That was a big swing. Yeah. We'll we'll talk about what the other versions of that character looked like, too. Oh, Um, okay. Next week. 
there's a tease for next week to come back. Yeah. And once we can talk a little deeper about this film, I want to talk about Peter's final form because just that alone, you know, just, okay, how many different characters am I seeing here? Yes. Some great stuff. But also, again, you know, seriously, you know, any film that has Peter Pan turning to a lost boy, it's like, yeah, death comes for us all, pal. I'm there. This was so much fun. So, but also speaking of, of something that is so much fun, seriously, folks, if you are not listening to Drew's Light the Fuse podcast, which by the way, right now you're really in Light the Fuselage mode, right? Yes, this this week, the week that this episode comes out, we will have our big interview with Joseph Kaczynski, director of Top Gun Maverick. We have him for a full half hour. It's <sighs> a really great conversation. Holy um, cow. And that starts Light the Fuselage. And we have some... Surprises coming up that I I haven't confirmed yet, so I don't want to say anything. But but a lot of amazing people will be on the show to talk about the new Top Gun sequel. And yeah, it's just an, it's an amazing movie. We're so excited to be talking about it. So that'll be going on for a little while. Do we get Joseph to talk a little bit about Tron Legacy? <laughs> no, I'm I'm sitting on a on a stockpile of Tron Legacy stories from Joseph though that I need to. Need to get out. If you thought my John Carter article was long, just wait for this Tron Legacy piece. That's all I'll say. Can't wait. Can't wait. Can you tell folks where they can find you on social media? Sure. Uh, Drew Taylor, like a tailored shirt. And as always, Nancy wants me to remind you that you can find us on Twitter and Instagram is Jim Hill Media and on Facebook is Jim Hill Media News. Anyway, folks, that's going to do it for this week. Thanks for listening. And we will be back soon.